We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and Abe is unfortunately not here. He's out of the country. Uh, Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I normally discuss new movies weekly. However, every now and then we have to have these special bonus episodes, whether it's one of our fun commentary tracks or something completely different. But this is one of our fun commentary tracks. This is our our January 2017, so our first commentary track of the new year. Um, And, of course, you listeners love the commentary tracks, which is why we do one every month. Um, and for this month, in honor of, of our second favorite Paul Anderson, Paul W.S. Anderson's newest film, Resident Evil, The Final Chapter, we are doing a Paul W.S. Anderson film, arguably his best film, we might discuss this on the commentary, Event Horizon, um, 1995's Event Horizon, starring Lawrence Fishburne and Sam Neill, among others. And joining me to discuss Event Horizon for this 95-minute, it's a fairly short, concise movie. Commentary track we have from Forbes, wearing his Air Force jacket. It's Scott Mendelson. Good to be back. And by the way, it's 1997's Event Horizon. 1997, what did I say? I'm thinking Mortal yes. Kombat for some reason. I think, no, it's like, <laughs> because, it's, because it's 95 minutes. That's why I got confused. Uh, yes. <laughs> also, from Why So Blue, the funky spaceman himself, it's Jordan Grout. Oh, hello. It's a pleasure to be here. And from Why So Blue and the Cult Cinema Cavalcade podcast, is he from Lewis or is he Clark? It's Brandon Peters. Hey, when uh, when Aaron tells you to go somewhere, unlike Sam Neill, you go with him. So I'm here. So, right. <laughs> How are the three of you doing tonight? Outstanding. Jordan's here, so yeah. I'm I'm so excited to talk about this movie. I I'm, I'm glad you were able to make it, Jordan. <laughs> like it's, I feel like I've tried to arrange a number of these with you, and you you, you just don't yeah, show I don't, up. I don't think the listeners know. Like, there's so many that should be featuring Jordan Grout, it just ends up not working out. But <laughs> yeah, he's a mainstay. He's, he's like. And, like, and Event Horizon is one of the most embarrassing moments in my life, the first time I saw it in the theater. Oh, we'll get, oh we'll, we have to get to that, then. They're still <laughs> cleaning up the piss stain. It's bad. <laughs> <laughs> we, have to, we have to get to that story. We'll get to that soon, though. But yeah, you've been on some of the... I mean, you were on our first commentary track, I believe, when me, you, Alan Aguilera, and Abe, we did The Thing. Um, yes. And you were, of and course... You were on two out of three Evil Dead commentaries. <laughs> and, uh... Yeah. But yeah, uh, good to have the three of you here, Scott as well, of course. And uh, yeah, we're going to get into this. For those of you that are not aware, uh, basically Scott, Brandon, Jordan, and I are all going to watch the film Event Horizon on silent so the four of us can talk over it, as you would hear on a commentary track. And if you plan to watch the movie while listening to us, uh, you should know that we all have the movie paused right now at 11 seconds in. Basically, once we get started, we're all going to press play and just start talking. For those of you that know how this works or are just content to listen without watching the movie along with it, uh, you're good to go. So just, you know, sit back and uh, get ready for this. But, uh, yeah, are you three all ready? Yeah. Y- yes. Okay. So I'm going to count down three, two, from one go me. I'm going to count down from three and on the sound of go, we're all going to press play. So here we go. <clears throat> Question. <laughs> yep. <gasps> Is it one, one, two, three? Is it at the G or the U? It is at the G, and it's three, two, one. <laughs> okay. I got. It. This is I'm this is an this is an old joke that irritates me every single time. <laughs> I'm gonna get this going now. Okay. Oh, dude, was that the go? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Was that the G? Was... Uh, okay. It's it's about to happen. Here it comes. Three, two, one. Go. You know how nervous I was <laughs> to count that down? <laughs> okay. So, so if you're uh, wondering what decade this was made, look no further than the opening credits. <laughs> yes. This is a, Brandon and I like to talk about how obvious 90, 90s movies are when we do 90s movies on this podcast. And this is a very obvious 90s movie. 
just something with that the font and things. The way they 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 just weren't. You can tell they don't go together. Yeah, and it's it has like the music on top of it. By the way, that opening credits is neat is neat because it starts the Paramount logo. It's somewhat familiar, but then it kind of goes in reverse, where like it goes from the the mountain and the stars to space, like without fading from the logo. It's a weird kind of way they went for it. But here we are. Well, for the... That's where the movie takes place, so I, they went there. I don't... <laughs> yeah, they did. But yeah, look at these credits where the, the, yeah. the it's like present the font and then shrink it into the background. It's like... a, a sequence that I would expect in a resident. Resident Evil movie. It actually. feels. It certainly feels like a Paul W. S. Anderson movie. That's for sure. But this is a this is a Paul Anderson. This is before they split up oh, yeah. and each chose the initials. You know. You know why he put his W. S. in there. I read this trivia. It's because people kept asking him about the frog scene in Magnolia, so they were all confusing him with Paul Thomas Anderson. <laughs> so that's why he decided to add the W. S. to into his name, so he stopped getting questions about that. <laughs> that said, he now gets confused often for Wes Anderson, which is also hilarious to me. <laughs> I would love to see, well, yeah, you know, Paul W. Anderson, versions of the Magnificent Ambersons, not the Magnificent Ambersons, uh, the Magnificent uh, Seven, Royal Tenenbaums. Royal Tenenbaums. And yes, I would like to see the Wes Anderson version of Event Horizon. I'd like oh, to see the Wes Anderson. I'd like. I'd like to see the Wes Anderson version of any of Paul W. C. Anderson's movies. Wes Anderson's Mortal Kombat. Wes Anderson's Death Potter. Race. <laughs> <laughs> Wes Anderson's Three Musketeers. That's just gold, guys. Hey, it's the future. Yeah. 2015. 2015. Yeah. It's okay. It's all, that's only when we establish that moon colony we all know about. It's actually taking place in 2040. Ago, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was one of the executive orders that Obama signed. One of those nice executive orders. Uh, These are topical. Just showing alternative <laughs> facts right now on the screen. Yeah. And... <laughs> Basically, yes. <laughs> um, I remember it came out like at least in my little bubble of of filmdom, like it, it, it was huge. People compared it to The Exorcist. I remember, like they said it was one of the scariest movies since The Exorcist. Uh, this movie is legit scary. I mean, it is hev- yeah. it is very heavily reliant on like you know cheap jump scares, but it works. Like in addition yeah. to that, there's also a lot of creepy atmosphere, which is what Paul Anderson. I'm going to call him Paul Anderson just to make it easier on myself. What he's very good at because he comes from a production design background, but there is a legit creep factor in this film. There's a lot of nice build up to it. I think the space for the most part, like the the ships and stuff, the, the effects hold up. Yeah, there's and, some. I mean, there's some. Uh... They don't. It doesn't look like. I mean, I'm sure it's like CG, but it almost kind of looks model work. Yeah, a lot of mm-hmm. the the the, the shit. Like here's some stuff. Like there's the water bottle. But there's stuff inside here. Yeah, this it's, is obvious. It's obvious, but I mean, there's some like rotoscoping stuff later on with like people on green screens or whatnot. But I mean, for yeah, for the most part, yeah, I would. The movie does kind of hold its own as far yeah. as the kind of ni- mid '90s CG and its kind of infancy working its way into you know bigger and bigger movies so, yeah it, it, it certainly works here's for a while there's a lot of restraint except for this part exactly, yeah. except for that part where we zoom into again completely <laughs> completely 90s zoom into a mouth and then zoom back out <laughs> but for a good portion of the movie there is a lot of restraint yeah no it's just foreboding with sam neill for a lot of it before I mean, it gets to the other the half. first 15 minutes has a lot of like if i recall correct i just watched this on saturday now i'm already forget but uh a lot of like character entrance jump scares yes very much so <laughs> hi i'm 
I'm Lawrence Fishburne. Hi. What I also what I also like though, this movie jumps in right away. Like he's in space already. Like he's already on this mission. Like there's not like a whole there's not a whole like beginning of alien sequence, which is not bad for aliens. Aliens just aliens. But I mean, there's not a whole like we need to establish exactly what we're doing. He's already like on his way. Yeah, like he's already in we the were mission. Familiar with cryogenic sleep and stuff like that back in the nineties, well, eighteen eighty seven. What's seen it? Well, I think that's the thing though. The movie does yeah. a good job of allowing the audience to fill in the blanks because some of this stuff is pretty familiar for sci fi fans. Right. There, there actually was a deleted alternate opening that was basically a before they go into space type sequence where Sam Neill meets with some you know government people and they explain to him what's going on and he is rather excited and demands to go on the mission. Mm-hmm. And they kind of for basically the reasons that you talked about. It. This wasn't information we needed. We would learn all this eventually. The, the, the first cut of the movie was two hours and ten minutes anyway, so they needed to cut it down. Um, the Paul Reiser cameo was a bit much. Yes. Um, now there actually were quite a few delete. You know, unfortunately, there were a lot of deleted scenes that were lost. You know, there was an intent to make a director's cut of this movie at some point in time. Um, That's a fun thing you say because Paul Anderson constantly talks about director's cuts of all of his movies, and there's yet to be any except Alien vs. Predator. That's um, what it deserves. The one that the one that counted. You know. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, but now this is the rare movie that genuinely left me feeling physically uncomfortable in a theater. I remember walking back to my car and my stomach hurt. And it wasn't until I got to the, to my car that I realized I'm not sick. That movie just really creeped the hell out of me. And I've been on edge for the last 90 minutes to the point where it's genuinely disconcerting. Um, and it was a very loud sound mix. Yeah. And it, it very quickly establishes an, a, a situation where literally anything can happen. Is um, no one's favorite Alfred? I like, I, I've grown, I mean, it's not my favorite, but I've certainly grown to enjoy Sean Pertwee's version of Alfred on Gotham. A lot of good character <laughs> actors in this movie. I mean, you obviously have, oh, you yeah. you yes. have Larry Fishburne and Sam Neill, but you have a Julie Richardson. Uh, we'll get to a Richard T. Jones in a... A pre like what I now know Richard T. Jones more as more more authoritative. This is more like yes. like B version of Denzel Washington Richard T. Jones. Yes, yes, that's what I was thinking when I watched this. I'm like, is he just doing a? He feels like like Jay Farrow doing a doing a Denzel, Denzel Washington exactly version. exactly. Yeah. Um, this is before judging Amy. Let's see, Jack Noseworthy, who's named near. What, ma- what what? What else has a Noseworthy been in? I, I I mainly know him because of this random joke in a Family Guy episode that like just talks about Jack Noseworthy's eyes bleeding in Event Horizon, which just well he was <laughs> in uh he was the uh the fake handicap guy in uh, There's it, Something About Mary right no 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 that's a different actor that's oh, uh, that's Lee that a, that's Lee um Lee Evans Lee Evans yeah oh wait hold he, on but he but actually Jack Noseworthy's also in Breakdown with Kathleen Quinlan as one of the hostage takers I've never seen that Breakdown Kurt Russell you never saw Breakdown yeah. I've never seen it. The movie's killer. Oh my god. They they apparently she and him both have Paramount contracts because that was the same year. <laughs> also, Kathleen Quinlan. Every time I see her, I gender think of her as like a you know a nice actress. So this is like the second darkest movie I've ever seen her in. Oh okay, Jack knows where they. I remember. Um, What's the first? It, the first is uh, the first is um, the Hills Have Eyes remake. Fair enough. The third is Breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> 
Do you guys remember that uh, MTV series Dead at 21 that they tried to like? It was like one of their first like live action scripted series they were doing Jason, in the 90s. Jason Isaacs. Uh, yeah, that sounds familiar. I don't remember that's watching Jack, it. That's where I know Jack knows really from because okay. he was the lead in that short lived show. He seems so, like a guy that would play like a bullying older brother. Yeah. Idle hands. He is a bullying idle brother. <laughs> idle hands. He has. He's exactly that role. <laughs> so there. <laughs> when the film does a very good job of establishing the chemistry between these crew members, their camaraderie, and you know, you, you have their, they have your sympathy because they don't want to be here. You know, they as as Lawrence Fishburne is going to explain in a second. It's alien. They were pulled off a vacation. <laughs> you know, basically it was supposed to be a vacation, mm-hmm. and. Because they don't want to be here, they're not like you know greedy treasure hunters that went too far or whatever. Well, it's, you know they're, they're they're victims right from the get go. It's alien. It's exactly. I mean that's yeah. basically alien. Yeah. 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 Uh, the set de- set design in this movie, I mean, it's really good. It's not standout or anything, but it you know it's believable. It feels like yeah, it feels real. It works in the same well, way that yeah. um, I like pa- in the way I like Passengers. I mean, say what you will about the movie itself, but I think the production design in Passengers does a good job of giving you a plausible version of what that future could be. And this one, much like yes. you know, Aliens and other movies that we we're gonna constantly talk about, Sunshine, inspired by this movie slightly. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's... Did they model the ship off of some cathedral? I've heard something like that before. I've also heard that like there's like an antenna that looks a lot like the Millennium Falcon at some point here. Oh, okay. I think it's Notre Dame actually. Like parts of the ship are huh. modeled. Well, this is this is a gothic horror movie, so that makes a lot of yeah. sense. I mean, <laughs> this movie, by the way, yeah, it is. You know, it is. It's a number of things combined, but yeah, it's has a lot. It's basically a haunted house movie in space, in the same way that certain other sci-fi horror films are but this one really commits to that idea a lot more i would say in the kind of gorier sense that's a good example of how to borrow properly and that's a good example of sam neill without a shirt on yes (laughs) pause (laughs) no this was back when you know for better or worse you know they spent 70 million dollars in a movie like this um now the movie was a bomb because it was so expensive but you know i also think you know the fact that it looks so good is a reason why it has achieved a cult following over the years well the money's Um, all there i mean sets aren't cheap i mean they're building the sets and then computer animation was still infantile so it was more probably more expensive i mean say what you will about paul anderson films they all do look their budget and sometimes better than their budget yeah um I love Samuel's scream right there. It it almost like I I I don't buy it. It, it looks fake. I like that Sam. Like I feel like when people say Sam Neil, they think of a more regal actor. And to be fair, he has a plenty of good credits to his name. But he's a heavy genre guy. Like he, I mean, this is like what a couple years after him in the mouth of madness, where he's very yeah, much insane yeah. for all of that movie. <laughs> like he's well, and he was in uh, his film from the early '80s, Possession. Possession. That's. Uh, Insanity, what right o- Omen Three? I mean, like, yeah. he's, he's got a lot of like Dead Calm is just a, a genre movie where he's just the straight man essentially. Like, there's a lot of like really yeah, wild two Jurassic Park movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who could forget uh, Sci-Fi Channel's The Triangle? And I, I mean, I really love. I, I started making that joke. I really yep. like uh, Merlin, the uh, the TV yeah. movie Merlin. I think that's I, that's that's the first half of that is awesome. It's terrific, and Mar- and Mar- I mean Sam Neill's great. Martin Short is amazing in Merlin. He he does a yeah. great job in that one. 
he's, he's got a he's got a varied, interesting career. Yet he's not a guy. He's he's got the career of somebody you'd expect to see at like conventions a lot, but he's never there. Yeah, you know, like he's in big. His movies are of that ilk, but are big are like the next step up in being like, you know, commercial and as bigger. As, as soon as there's a hunt for wilder people, as soon as there's a hunt for the wilder people convention, I will be there right away. Yes, because uh, the skucks like yeah. sees us in series. You know, he is. You're right. He's similar to someone like Anthony Hopkins or Scarlett Johansson, someone who's considered to be a very dignified actor, but frankly. I would argue is most at home in, in unapologetic pulp fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, by the way, Lawrence Fishburne's completely like auditioning for Morpheus in this movie. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's like what he's doing throughout this thing. Although I do like that the movie pretty for pretty much like eighty percent of it, he's keeping his cool until he just starts saying like fuck this ship and just starts like wanting to get the hell out of it right away. <laughs> Well, the shit really doesn't hit the fan until the last twenty minutes or so of the movie. Yeah, but 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 the other characters oh. certainly panic a lot yeah. more than he does. Like, ever he is so like is he's, true. he's so dedicated to keeping his calm until like a, a certain breaking point where he just he just starts just cursing all the time and just wants to get the hell out of there right away. You know, it's crazy with this. I'm watching it on Blu-ray, and and you can tell that their their t-shirts, the stuff on them is just iron-on, <laughs> which you probably couldn't have told to tell. Couldn't tell back in the day. Well, that the crew's that's really fun, fun, where they make their own shirts every week. Right. Yeah. That's that's the kind of that's the kind of camaraderie they have. <laughs> they make their own shirts. Yeah, Richard T. J. Every time he's on doing dialogue, it seems like exa- the Jay Farrow. That's a great way to could describe. Where'd you, it. where'd you get that, Sam Neil? The <laughs> funny papers. <laughs> it's just he has like a he does a head turn. He like has a a way of breaking up his dialogue. It just it very much feels like... If you close your eyes, it's like, oh, it's Denzel. It's basically Denzel, yeah. Denzel and Lawrence Fishburne in a film together. Wow, it's... Oh. <laughs> I like to think that Richard T. Jones used his his Cooper performance as, took inspiration from Glory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's Jason Isaacs in a good guy role. He's got a couple of Paul Anderson films on his belt, right? Doesn't he? Soldier. Soldier uh, and um, that other one I can't think of. <laughs> no. And he does a voice in the Resident Evil. There it is. Uh, yeah, I thought he was in mm-hmm. a Resident Evil. I'm not sure if he was. Um, is he I love three... the way they. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I, I feel like he should be in Three Musketeers. I, I never saw that movie either. You know what? Yeah. Not bad. It's a fun steampunk action adventure, for what it is. I want to see. It. And I do like how they explain the way black holes work in this movie. And it's so successful that several other sci-fi movies have just used the exact same teaching technique. Like Interstellar. Did. Interstellar. Yeah, Interstellar, yeah. Yes, yes. Oh. Christopher and, Nolan's you know, Interstellar I, took inspiration from Paul Anderson's <laughs> Event Horizon. And, you know, as tempted as, you know, to make fun of that, you know, this is such a succinct explanation that why would you use anything else? Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it, I think most people understand wormholes because yeah. of this movie, which is insane. Yes. Like, I think that's, this movie, this movie has a, this movie has a weird, yes, exactly. This movie has a weird amount of inspiration on a lot of, not only filmmakers, but general society, which is impressive for a bomb back from 1997. <laughs> Yeah. I think was it really popular rental wise though back then? Oh, it must have been since they did a deluxe yeah. special edition Blu-ray DVD release for this thing. Right. Like, um. Well, yes, it did have a cult following. I also think it benefited from an era when you know you put out any vaguely popular movie in a special edition, and people would buy it. 
Oh, that, in, that was the it was, way it was back then. It was also in the like the heat, the heart of the uh, like blockbuster new release wall where we've got it guaranteed in, and you just get whatever was new. For yeah. people, people would do that. So he's doing it. Uh, he's putting the pen through the paper. He's showing us wormholes. Um, but no, I, I saw this on opening night, and it was not a very crowded theater. It was not a very crowded showing. Um, it came out in August of '97, same day as Copland. I saw them both the same day. I like it's called uh, Copland. That's perfect. Um, you're Copland. Sorry. I know. I just. I no. I'm calling yeah. it Copland. That's perfect. I, yeah. I'm no, on... Scott always calls it Copland, so that's why I, I refer to it as Copland. I, too, I only so. say <laughs> I, I only say Spitterman, so I mean I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean it, it was not a success. Um, I can look up what it did. I should have had this up, but I didn't want to make noise. I got it. Uh, um, Twenty six domestic. Yeah. Opening weekend nine million. It only did about yeah about nine on opening. You know, Copland, Copland, excuse me. And Steel, <laughs> Steel was the other opener. What was that? Steel was the other opening uh, weekend movie. With Shaq. Oh. Co- That's, you know Cop- the one where he shoots the free throw with the grenade at the end to He's, save the day. I'm terrible with these. The one that's just stupidly violent enough to get a PG-13, just thus negating anyone that might actually want to see it in theaters. <laughs> Say what you will, it's my favorite Superman movie. <laughs> um, we we did a, we, I think we did, what, Fallen? Was that our other 1997 movie? Yeah, from, yeah so we, 98. 90, okay. What did we do? That was 1997, because I'm looking over all these box office things, and we, I, oh, I, uh, I direct. Oh, well, in August of 97, I think. Was... You did Mortal, or no, Mortal Kombat was before that, sorry. No, but I remember directly looking at all of these uh, box office stats before for a commentary, so I'm like, this all, this all seems very familiar to me. But, uh, anyway. Um, but no, uh, late July was Air Force One, and then two weeks later, uh, a week later you had Spawn. And then Spawn, had that's why. Spawn. That's why, that's okay. why, yeah, we, we went all over all the yeah. box office movies <laughs> that year. Um. God, this recording is—it's so effective, like just without the visuals, it's so yeah. unsettling. And then they show us the visuals later on. And it's and it gets worse, <laughs> which makes the film the greatest film of all time. And there's so much deleted yeah. stuff apparently from that, which, my God, the, like just the the snippets we see are enough. <laughs> and, yeah. And yet people want more of this. <laughs> um. And I can't imagine being like one of the people that participated and like your scene was cut. It's like what? <laughs> you know how much, you know much nonsense I did for you on that camera for, the, for that to be cut. <laughs> well, from what I gather, you know, on the documentaries on this, it was a very rushed post production. Oh yeah, and as oh a yeah. Result, they turned into a they turned a final cut in that they weren't happy with. They test screened it, got terrible results because it wasn't as polished as it should have been. So Paramount, you know, said okay. You know, make this as short as you can. So they cut it to ninety-five minutes, and you know that's what happened. Yeah, this is this is like Paul Anderson's uh, Alien Three, as far as how much yeah. time he had to do everything and whatnot, and everything, everybody interfering. There's six paragraphs on Wikipedia devoted to the deleted footage from this film. Wow. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and there's mm-hmm. and there's also an alternate ending uh, article as well, I believe, because I, I know there's. There's like two yeah. endings they had, and they kind of combined them, and it also added ADR, which we'll get to when we get to the end of this film. But, uh... Yes. Um... And they lived happily ever after. Yeah. <laughs> oh. It's the ending of Pan. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> that basically is the ending of Pan. <laughs> like, 
Like, I'm pretty sure Garrett Hedlund's character actually says that. Like, what could actually go wrong? The end. No, We're going to be friends forever. No franchise. <laughs> Allie laughed at that. I almost wanted to yell at her. <laughs> no, that's not funny. Clearly something's going wrong because everybody's shaking around on the set right now. Oh, that's right. This, so this movie, this movie is what Alien, Solaris, and like Poltergeist combined into yeah, one movie. Yeah, there's Solaris. Yeah. Yeah, Solaris is the oh, other yeah, one. Yeah, it was a very loose remake of Solaris. That's how it was sort of ish when it was coming out. The the, the, the Dario a, Argento yeah. version of Solaris. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> which I'm yeah. which I'm sure thrilled executives too. <laughs> like Paul Anderson walks in with a big billboard that just says Solaris, but spookier. <laughs> <laughs> Then of course George Clooney made a, a straight Solaris remake in 2002-ish, which, I'm sure, which made about five dollars. Which, which I'm sure on his billboard, which he and James Cameron and Steven Soderbergh all walked in, they all the same thing. <laughs> they all didn't rehearse this, but they all accidentally wrote the same thing together. They wrote Event Horizon, but more art house. <laughs> My favorite trivia about Solaris, I, I like this. I like I like the both Solarises. I like the um, remake. Quite a bit too. I think there's some interesting stuff in there, despite the being a remake of the Tartoxic people. But the, my favorite bit of trivia about Solaris is how Soderbergh and Cameron on the on the commentary track, which is a terrific commentary. If you want to not listen to our nonsense and listen to two actual filmmakers talk <laughs> about stuff, that's a great commentary track. But Soderbergh talks. He says, "If you're not into Solaris in the first five minutes, just walk out of the theater." Like that's his advice about that movie. Like he's just like, "It's not for you." <laughs> like that's he literally says that. <laughs> Not going to be for you. Not going to be for you. Just walk out. <laughs> Do they reference Event Horizon at all? No, they don't. Oh, that's a shame. But hearing Soderbergh and James that, Cameron talk. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Sure, he probably, <laughs> sure he probably gave notes. I'm sure. Sure, he and Anderson probably talk. I mean, Anderson would put the uh, from the same visual effects wonder or whatever <laughs> that did Avatar on his on his Resident Evil movie. <laughs> I remember those previews where Resident Evil is like talking up their 3D yep. because it's from the same visual. From the same cameras, yeah. Yeah. Which, to its credit, it looked great. I mean, I like, I like over that's the, yeah. I like over the oh, top that... 3D when it's like, you know, really going for it. That's like, that's fun to me. I still don't like that movie, but I mean, the 3D did what it did. <laughs> yeah, they got like you go. The exploitative factor, like uh, my bloody Valentine 3D. Exactly. Did, yeah. It's just like. Right in your face. Or journey to the center of the earth, 3D. <laughs> or Spy Kids, 3D. Which has a scene that where like 3D was awesome. It was. That has a scene where like Antonio Banderas just like grabs a like a like his like safety goggles and just like throws them into the camera. Yeah. He's like, I gotta yeah, go suit up. Which is like his only scene in the film. Yes. Um, those movies hold up, by the way. I happened to watch the second one on TV the other day. The first two are good. I go that yeah. far. <laughs> uh, the third one has great action scenes. It has you know, the race scenes in that films are better, are what I wanted the pod races to be, basically. You're really, you're gonna talk down the pod race of all things about Phantom Menace? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in this case, yes. Okay. We'll just silently disagree with you. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, back to the veteran. I do like the ship. I mean, we've talked about the ship design, but the ship is a pretty neat idea where it's this like. You have like a, a tail part of it, a long stretching corridor, and then like the the other end of it, and you can blow part of it up, and you know the other part moves on. Like that's a neat like you get that that has to be used at some point, but that's clever. It's a good design. I like the idea. This is a yeah, giant sex metaphor. 
Jordan, you had a story you had to tell us, apparently, about Her and Horizon. So I saw this film opening night, and it was sold out um, in Petaluma. And at the time, we had a foreign exchange student with us. And we were both the same age in seventh grade. And a couple of, of my friends came along with us. And this foreign exchange student, throughout the film, he was getting very nervous. <laughs> very, very uncomfortable. What country? So we can so all picture it. So the moment... When what what country what country is he what country is he from? Korea. Korea. Okay. And uh, when <laughs> the guy is cut open on the wall, he freaked out. He started screaming and crying <laughs> at the top of his lungs. <laughs> so we had to walk out, and people started applauding. And it, it was like a movie, <laughs> a scene from a movie, and. So we walk out, we go in the lobby, and he's still, like, crying at the top of his lungs. <laughs> and there's a line for the next show, and this guy says to his girlfriend, Oh, see, it is scary. And, and I'm like, oh, my God. And I knew the people there, and they had to call my mom to come get us. And the whole time he's outside, like, he will not calm down. He is in hysterics, just bawling. This shouldn't be I funny. I go back to the theater for, like, four months. I was so embarrassed. Because of so because of somebody else's crying, you you were embarrassed to go back to the theater. <laughs> I was, I was. I had to leave this film. People applauded. People uh... like did they applaud because like finally this guy's gone, or because it was just so hysterical to them? Because it was hysterical. Like, okay. Oh, okay. Eh, hooray! This this film got this preteen. <laughs> it broke him. <laughs> um. But then I, I had to go back the next day with my dad. He took me and we left the the student at home. What what you see the what you see the next day? Steel. Oh, well, Event Horizon. I, I, I wanted to see how it ended. Oh, so you didn't finish the movie? Okay, so you left with him. He had to go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And he was he was probably still he's probably you know right now he's probably shaking up. Oh, send him a Facebook message with just the trailer for the movie. <laughs> you should. <laughs> <laughs> it's just. Some screen caps of the blood orgy. Yeah. <laughs> of Sam Neill with no eyes. <laughs> By the way, it, it took 24 minutes for them to get on the ship. Just pointing that out. In a 95-minute movie. Yeah. Efficient. <laughs> oh, the doors are great in this movie, by the way. Oh, yeah. They seem crazy dangerous, but they're great doors. I like spiral. And, like, I love, I love how, like... Everything has like sharp edges everywhere. Like, look at this room that they have to walk through to get to like the uh, what the engineering area. It's a giant room. It's a giant garbage disposal. Like that's what they have to walk through. <laughs> so do you think this was built when they went to hell? Like obviously, like this wasn't there when they first built the ship. No, that was that was designed apparently. Sam Neill doesn't seem bothered by. It. He's like, yeah, that's that's where it is. Go over there, guys. Like that's that's the ship. <laughs> that's, how, that's how things are. Up. Oh, the use of, like, zero-G is fun in this movie because it really, regardless of how, quote-unquote, accurate it is, because, oh, God, if that, things aren't accurate in a sci-fi movie, everything, you know, goes to hell. Um, <laughs> I like that when gravity comes back on, like, all the fluids and stuff, like, drop to the ground. Like, it's just a, like, oh, yeah. it's a disturbing image. But they try to make it work. Like, they have, what, like, magnetic boots so they can walk like that, and they have all this, like, gunk and water and whatever else, like, just... On the like, it's a it's a dead ship. Like it's a it's a tomb, as Lawrence Fishburne describes it as. This place is a tomb. 
It's just a trailer. He says it. The ship is a two. This ship, he said, he, you know, it's a great like Lawrence Fishburne line reading where yeah. only he could say it the way he says it like that. And of course, really up in the mountains. No, go ahead. I was just say, did this one have like a really super '90s trailer? Probably. Uh, there's a there's a super '90s CD in the future. <laughs> I remember it was a very effective trailer. Maybe you want to see the movie. Um, I didn't see this movie until HBO. By the way, I I, I didn't get to see it in theaters. So, um, I I had to wait. And, but even on HBO, I was like, well, this is this is a creepy movie. <laughs> like this is legit scary. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't. I mean, like back in the, I just came out when I was in high school, and like every everybody I I knew like that was just not like a good you know polling, but most people liked it. That's so it was that, surprising to me to go back to look and see like oh, critics hated it. Nobody went and saw it, but you know most people I saw were like oh my gosh, Ben Horizon's scary as hell. Yeah, that's why I was excited to see it because I was hearing so much like praise from you know, friends near my age who would, you know, obviously be easier freaked out by something like this. Um, but uh, yeah. we're still like, you know, and, you know, at the time and even now, even now, I mean, I don't really get scared that much now in movies, but I certainly, I can make myself sit in the right atmosphere to feel what the effectiveness could be. Yeah. So. And while, while critics ding this for, you know, homages and, and using, borrowing from being inspired by, when you get to like, if you're, aiming at like younger generations like this maybe like the friday night date crowd or something like that they probably don't have experience with those because they're so far removed i mean how many high schoolers going to this movie are like oh huge solaris fan here mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, in, and in 1997 it's not readily available especially yeah. you know yeah like you know Sla- scream just came out so slashes are making kind of their comeback here so you, you don't have buddy yeah. movies like this particularly certainly not on a a yeah. big scale, you have you know smaller movies or even. I mean, maybe they saw most probably saw Alien, but that's about the only. Yeah. Only one that like is obvious. I mean, yeah, there's there's a bit of Hellraiser toward the end, but even that, you know, if that's you know just, enough to recognize yeah. the Hellraiser references, you're probably gonna enjoy this movie anyway. Yeah, but you're enjoying the the nods <laughs> that it goes for. This is a better Hellraiser Bloodline than Hellraiser Bloodline was. Yes. I just watched that last week. This stuff is great, by the way. This whole the gravity drive thing, like it's some really clever visuals. Even if this doesn't look amazing right now, like it's still like a, a neat idea. It's, it's an original kind of you know design and everything. And once again, that room spikes everywhere in that room. Like there's so much like dangerous like design in the ship. Take that, yeah, Stargate. So it, it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> This movie is better than Stargate. Most movies are. Um... <laughs> <laughs> like I'm sitting here just in awe. Like I forgot, like how beautiful some of the shots are. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this corridor that looks like an eye—the shape of an eye—is awesome. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of slow motion with Lawrence Fishburne. A lot of Jordan. You mentioned Sam Neill yelling. Most of the people yelling in this movie tends to feel like ADR yelling. Like that's that's what it sounds it does. like. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, good sparks. Use the scene. '90s jump while sparks. Good sparks though. The typical a lot of sparks. Yeah, no, it's great. Like now you just add sparks and CG. That's a lot of cool practical sparks. Yeah, now you just like you know CG the fire, CG the sparks. You, they're, you, they're actually all the color grading and everything. Yeah. Now you, you can set 
portrait on fire. We don't care about him. <laughs> He's a badass. <laughs> he is. He has tattoos. <laughs> That's how you know. <laughs> that said, his movie... father was a time lord. He's fine. Movie... <laughs> he looks a lot like his father, by the way. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Except his father had, like, a mane of hair. Yes. And he's shaved. Yeah. And short hair most of the time. Yeah. I don't want to know what Jack knows where they just saw. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't want to know either. He tries to kill himself because of it. Look at this room covered in spikes everywhere we go. <laughs> Who was on the design team for this? Oh. That said, for a movie that has all of this, none of it's actually used. Like, no one actually gets killed because of the room shape, like, which is impressive. Almost a tease. Yeah. I used to, it's funny, like, it's funny, like, design, like, I uh, used to read this article from a guy that, he, I can't remember what it was called, but he used to have, like, a sci-fi corner where you'd always like to talk about, um, you know, architect, like, what the heck architecture on some of these ships, like, they would like to always point out when uh, they didn't build rails on, like, high up things. I always call or, that like, arrogance. Bridges that would go there. Yes. I always assume that's arrogance when they don't build rails, like, nothing could go wrong, so we don't need rails. That's that's sure it's hundreds of feet up in the air, but you know that's the um, we got balance. That's the empire in a nutshell. Yes. Little things in, in this movie, like uh, him calling Noseworthy baby bear while he's coming to get him. Yeah. Just says so much about the relationships between them. Just one simple line. Yeah. Oh, here's the water stuff, which I think is a pretty clever effect. Actually, how they oh, awesome. did that. Oh yeah, that disgusting. Yeah, exactly, Jordan. There's a good familiarity, as Scott, you pointed out too. Like you get to you you know these characters well enough just by their interactions and without having to spend a lengthy amount of time beforehand on this mission or anything like that. Yeah. Oh, the ship looks great, like in a distance. By the way, I love the shots they do, like of just it, like they 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 try to make it evocative of just evil, just by having stationary shots of the ship in space, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and, you know, outer space lightning storms are always cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's interesting, considering how truncated this film is, it makes sense. You know, there aren't, it's, you know, it actually makes sense in an A to B to C way. Um, in a way that I think was undervalued at the time with the initial reviews. Um, and again, I like that this film really holds out to the last possible minute before going pure macabre. It's it's pretty uh, impressive that it's able to do that. I mean, that's yeah. that's the kind of restraint While that you still being really scary. Yes, I mean you don't get that much today, save for like even James Wan films. I mean, they don't go out and out until the end, but there's still there's still the, the tension and claustrophobia that's created by his films is generally effective and held, held throughout. But for the most part, you don't get many these days beyond the kind of ones that get acclaim and go underseen for most of the year until awards and top ten lists get formed. <laughs> Right. <laughs> last year is an ex I'm, I'm speaking it's hard to say that because last year was so good for horror but you know in general like it uh, tends to be that did way. you see the autopsy of Jane Doe did you Scott did you say you saw that one did I see what the autopsy of Jane Doe uh, yes I did I enjoyed it yeah I loved it that's, that was my, one of my favorite films of last year. Who's the lead in that one? That's there's someone in that, right? Uh, uh, Brian, Brian Cox. Cox. Brian Cox and who's the kid? There's a, uh, a Emil Hirsch. That's right. Yes. No, it's worth yeah, six that, bucks. That's a film that 
holds out until the last minute. Oh, I'm sure that'll be on Netflix or I'm Amazon right away. So I'm, I'll, I'll wait. <laughs> it's amazing. I I I loved it so much more than I thought I was going to. I've heard it's pretty uh, gruesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, it's very clinical. I mean, it's called the autopsy of Jane Doe. So yeah. 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 <laughs> Here's the, here's the, the the key Denzel moment from uh, Richard T. Jones, where like Sam Neill tries to call him out for like being for, for seeing things. The Cooper, the gateway could be open. They're all just arguing. I'm waiting for things to happen with this because it's fun. But again, here's Lawrence Fishburne just holding his own. He's like, I'm just, I'm not gonna lose my cool over this. I, I, I believe my crewman saw something. Like he's completely serious mm -hmm. and, and, you know, slightly deadpan about what's going on, even though Sam Neill's just like feeding BS the whole time to him. I like how Cooper and the other characters don't hide the fact that they're freaked out. Like they're, they, they don't. He doesn't think he's like man enough or, or something like that. There, there's no. None of that. That was it right there. He's like an optical effect, motherfucker. Like he just like goes into Denzel mode right there. <laughs> but yeah, you're yeah, Jordan. You're right. It's again, it's like it's like aliens in that way. Like they're not, they're real people. I keep saying aliens, mm -hmm. alien yeah. in that way. Aliens is similar, but al oh. aliens more the standard there. As far as these are human beings that don't want to be you know walking around scary places. They just want to get the hell out of there. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 an immediate. You know where you're rooting against the horror. Yeah, exactly. You're right. You're on the, the character. That's a very valuable thing. You and the characters that's what are on you're the supposed to be doing. Yeah. You and the characters yeah. are on the same side. And unless you're like Tim Curry and Congo, you don't really enjoy going along with the ride <laughs> of those kind of characters. Uh, <laughs> yes. Congo, uh, future commentary track. Congo <laughs> coming soon. Double feature with Sphere. No, I can't do that movie again. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Spear was one of my favorite Michael Crichton books. It's one of my least favorite Michael was, Crichton movies. Yeah, it was a good book. Yeah. Congo was a good book, too. It's, 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 I it's, enjoy Congo for what it is. Yeah, Congo is... I, I had a good time. I can, it's easy to watch Congo for me. It, Spear is yeah. a chore. <laughs> Which is what I, I say saw, about a lot I of Barry Levinson Spear movies. Once. That was, That's what I, yeah, yeah. I say a lot about Barry Levinson these days. His movies tend to be a chore more than fun man of the year which has frighteningly realistic things going on right now <laughs> but, uh, i like this found footage movie the bay that's that, oh. that's on uh, amazon Yay. so i'm finally gonna be able to see it i saw it's on amazon prime so i because i've yet to see that one i heard great things about it it's it's it, it may be my favorite found footage horror film offhand wreck wreck oh. two <laughs> yeah like, even when, yeah, like, Kathleen Quinlan dies in this room and she doesn't, like, she falls from a great height. You expect her to fall on one of these giant, you know, pointy rods in this room. Doesn't fall on anything. She just lands on the ground. But it's just as gruesome, though. Maybe maybe their impaling budget ran out after the blood orgy. Right. <laughs> Couldn't keep impaling people. They spent too much money on deleted scenes. I love how sinister Sam Neill is in this movie. In in the beginning, he, slightly just in the beginning. I like how he, he grows into it, mainly because the, yeah. the ship's just taking over his mind. But but yeah, he, but even the, there's a shot earlier when he was sitting on uh, in the chair. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, there's in the cockpit. Yeah, and 
Well, like the movie and us are basically ahead of him to an extent, but he, yeah. he certainly kind of he yeah. rises to the challenge as the film goes on to be more and more crazy. It's basically an inverse of his Mouth of Madness character, where he's trying to reject the craziness in that movie and then becomes crazy anyway. Where this movie, he fully embraces the crazy as it keeps going along. In the Mouth of Madness, future commentary, because that movie's wild. That movie's Oh, I like it. Uh... Or the remake, Goosebumps. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> They both they both have happy endings, so it all works. <laughs> that's creepy. That's get, creepy. Uh, pull, did this get a pull quote like "The Shining in Space"? Probably. Probably. Yeah, that that's that sounds familiar. It kind of is. I mean, it's either this or Hellraiser Bloodline, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People couldn't stop talking about Hellraiser Bloodline. <laughs> an Alan an Alan Smithy film. Yep. Here's uh, this kid auditioning for Six Sense and failing. <laughs> like this stuff's legit like all the mostly all the Kathleen Quinlan and Sam Neill stuff whenever he's kind of alone that stuff's generally yeah. genuinely creepy in this movie oh yeah her stuff's terrifying yeah because she seems like the most innocent obviously because it's Kathleen Quinlan yeah. <laughs> but, uh... and again even a simple line right at the beginning that you know I tried to get a replacement for you but I couldn't that puts us even more on her side uh-huh. mm-hmm. um it's little, it's little details like that that you know. I mean, it's it's stuff like that should be obligatory, especially when you're making a horror movie. But that's not always the case. Well, I love it. Doesn't spoon feed it to. I mean, you're just like, oh, she yeah. wanted it off, and then you're slowly through this horror, yeah. figuring out what her guilt and stuff is. It's she's married to Bruce Abbott of Reanimator. I did not know this. Mm-hmm. Hmm. No wonder she likes these crazy movies. And she was just coming off of Apollo 13. And again, this is a, you know, as you mentioned, this is a pretty prestigious cast for basically what's a, you know, a, a grindhouse word. Basically. They all saw Mortal like, Kombat. Next, next time. <laughs> <laughs> they all saw Mortal Kombat. They're like, this Paul Anderson guy knows what he's doing. Let me get on this right away. <laughs> all right, now here we go. With the Oh, God. <laughs> this stuff. Oh, here we go, yes. Wee. Like, there's a shot of an arm going into a mouth, and it, like, keeps going. There's all this, like, viscera. No, we're not there yet. Okay. It teased it. That's always a YouTube clip clip I link to when I talk about movies having post-production problems. (laughs) Or behind-the-scenes squabbles. (laughs) Exclusive video, behind the scenes of Rogue One. I do like, because, I mean, obviously Danny Boyle's Sunshine, which I really like, and I've grown to appreciate that third act a lot more as it as I've watched that movie multiple times, I think it really plays well the more I watch that movie. But I like the way he approaches basically a very similar thing as far as showing what the other crew went through, but in his own way compared to this movie. Like, there's some neat editing going on where it kind of right. it gradually reveals the crew and, like, what troubles there were and why th- how things went wrong. Um, there's some good stuff there. I haven't seen Sunshine since it was in theaters. No, neither have I. It's, guys, it is a good movie. Like, Chris Evans has a great performance in that movie. Like, that was the first time I... Yeah. That was the first time I was like, Chris Evans is a good actor. And then I was like, oh, good, he's Captain America now. That's great. Cell <laughs> did, didn't win you over? What? Cell? Cell didn't, no, Cell didn't win you over. Push. <laughs> I think this is... That was... 
that push was after Sunshine, so I was I was willing to oh, I was willing enough. to see where he'd go. <laughs> I did because I did see Push because I was like, oh, it's, it has Chris Evans and Jaimon Hansu. Why would I not want to see this? <laughs> <laughs> the movie is incredibly boring. It is. It's a boring movie. Dakota Fanning is like an alcoholic fifteen year old, which is amazingly. Yeah, you're right. How could you go wrong? Yeah. Well, you did. Oh, there we go. Get our vertigo shot right here. Wee. Oh, so this movie's why. Paul Anderson didn't return for Mortal Kombat Annihilation because mm-hmm. it came out the same year. Oh, okay. He turned down X-Men because he didn't want to do a PG-13 movie. Interesting. Oh, wow. I'd be very I'd be very curious to see how his X-Men would have looked. I, I, there, there's a possibility that could have been pretty cool. Like, it looked good. And if, you know, given yeah. given everybody had a hand in that script, like, bringing that to life, I don't know how much different it would have been in Anderson's hands versus Miller or versus um, Singer's hands. I'm guessing a techno score. I mean, for an X-Men movie, I wouldn't mind it. Although, I, I mean, obviously I do like the kind of the soulfulness that Singer's first X-Men movie has, so I don't regret him and Him and Sam Neill reconnect and Sam Neill's Professor X. Sam Neill could be Magneto. Yeah. He could be Magneto, yeah. He could as Magneto. Well, Patrick Stewart was always going to be Professor X. Yeah. That's... By law. <laughs> <laughs> they, already, they already missed the Mr. Freeze casting, so Professor X yeah. is, the next, is the next logical choice. That's a cool, like, I guess it's a reverse shot, I'd have to be, right, to get him out of the water oh, like yeah. that. But that, yeah. it's it's pretty effective. It works. A flaming corpse coming out of the water like that. That's an interesting cut. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, oh, we're gone. No resolve to that scene, I guess. He just, I guess, walked away. He's like, do 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 Yeah, I was wondering if there was more of that scene that they just cut out for time i think it's more because they have to say well it probably was cut but they probably have to they realize that Lawrence fishburne needed to dramatically reveal that later it's like as far as what he was seeing i forgot sean perchley was in this by the way until i watched it again yesterday because i mainly because i you know watching gotham i'm more familiar with him now compared to beforehand yeah. you know i knew yeah. who he was but now it's like oh he's in this movie he's the pilot and he has like one i mean most everyone has a sad death in this movie so i'm not gonna say he has the saddest death but i like his the way he the way his death is designed essentially there's a, a sense of defeat that you see on his face yeah Samuel. Isn't he the one yeah. who uh, burned alive in Doomsday? Hmm. Brandon, you know? My fans. In Doomsday? Um, By the, when, uh, at the big cannibal party. He's in they he's, he's in Doomsday as Dr. Talbot. I can't remember. I haven't watched Doomsday in a while. I really like Doomsday a lot. I can't remember. Yeah, yes, it's great. He's, uh, yeah. They gr- they gr- it says in the Wikipedia summary, they grill Dr. Talbot and, grill, okay. and, and eat him. <laughs> Make sure I point that part out. Yes. Yeah, he's yeah, he's got a pretty great death in that movie. I haven't seen Doomsday since I saw it in theaters, and uh, yeah. I love Doomsday. Uh, oh, I think it's great. I like the yeah. first it's... act, and I like the third act. That Lord of the Rings middle act, I was not big on. <laughs> With like Malcolm McDowell as a. I thought it was more Conan Barbarian going through the old school. <laughs> through... it, it traveled yeah. through genres of the early eighties. I, so I, I thought that was just yeah. I guess that makes more sword and sandals section makes more sense. But I I admired <laughs> what it was doing, but I just I, oh no, it does screech to a a, yes, a halt yes. right there. It's the weakest part of the movie, but I I enjoy everything around it. I'm not gonna let that ruin it. For yeah, me. and when like Fine Young Cannibals comes on, like I really enjoyed that, and then it just goes into Mad Max mode. I was just like, yes. Like, 
By the way, they play a fine young cannibal song in an area surrounded by cannibals. It's just perfect. Like, right. it's, it's just so, like, well, Neil Marshall killing it's it. A, it's, <laughs> the, it's the first of, uh, it's one of the first of many Malcolm McDowell, hey, okay, uh, well, you just, just sit in this chair and read your lines movies. Uh-huh. <laughs> the latest being Death Race 2050. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> I heard that was great. It, preceded by 31. It's fine. It's not as good as 2000 by any means. I I I was ready to shut that damn thing off. <laughs> it looks. I like that it tried to bring back what the what well, what the Paul Anderson movies was uh, missing as far as social commentary. Right. It just it's very cheap. <laughs> it, it it's a it, like should go one way this way or that way and doesn't pick a way and and, and like it's it's tone and like yeah it's just, oh I couldn't I couldn't do it. Speaking of Paul Anderson, by the way, what is do you do you say this is his best movie? Would you say that he earns the WS here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is my favorite of his films. Yeah. Well, you, I know. I mean, do you think there's a better one that he's done than this? Uh, I don't. I can't think of one. I can't think of like no, uh, no. I mean, again, I might argue. You know, again, the Resident Evil films that are very accomplished in their action and choreography and. But in terms of a movie, this is probably his best. Yeah. And he made the better Alien vs. Predator movie. I... Yeah, he won that round. Yes. <laughs> no. Good job. It, 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 it helped that he had cam- he had lights. I think that was a big part of it right there. You were able. That second one helped me realize that the first one, I guess, wasn't that bad. You were able to see the movie. That was a big part of what worked in Alien vs. Predator. And did yeah, pull some of the fan. It did pull some fan stuff without being heavy-handed about. You know, there's some comic book and book stuff with Alien vs. Oh, yeah. Predator, I, which I have a blast. I, I had pulled in in the '90s, but I have a blast. I enjoyed that movie, and I mean, it's not good, but frankly, I I enjoyed it more than like Freddy vs. Jason, for example. I I like I, like I had a blast with both of those. I think they're and that was the same year. No, no, Freddy vs. Jason was 2003. No, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this one, yeah. But I, I was I was enjoying those versus movies. But yeah, Alien vs Predator. Yes, we could say it's not. I mean, I think the big problem right there was that it's you know rated PG thirteen, which one could say that's you know oh not like I understand I understand how that sounds, but at the same time, that's a movie that really could have used the R rated factor that you know its six predecessors had in line. Also, yeah. but it also it's a movie that comes with massive expectations. So the, your first time viewing is likely, you know, not going to meet what's in your head, so you need to give it another shot to yeah. be like, okay, now that I know what it is, let me watch it again. Well, part of my problem was that, well, one, the Predators get killed way too easily, but then you kind of get, well, they're supposed to be trainees or whatever, like they're going through their Predator bat mitzvahs. So it's like, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> which, is, which is how it should have been advertised, by the way, <laughs> the Predator bat mitzvahs. But um, <laughs> the other thing was that, that the teaser had that whole shot of them on, like three of them on top of a pyramid where they're fighting off like legions of aliens and they blow the whole thing up. And so you think, this movie's going to be epic. And that's just like a random flashback in the movie. Right. Let's 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 table this Paul Anderson's best film conversation because right now we're getting into Jack Noseworthy's going into space. Oh, this season's like. <laughs> what annoys me here is some people say, "Is that that movie where that guy goes into space with no suit on?" And I don't know why it's said so condescendingly because it should be said like, "That's the movie where that guy goes into space with no suit on." It's crazy. Like that's it's, this is a crazy scene. Like a guy is so like <laughs> bent out that he's seen the worst possible things that he wants to kill himself right now, and he's like in a trance, and that he's about to like he's about to do that by sucking himself out into an airlock, and he has to be saved. And just the combination of dread, suspense, 
the rescue act and you know the amount of like gore that comes out of this is like it's all really well done like this is a, this is probably one of Paul Anderson's best stage sequences no oh, yeah. also, I don't I don't care if this is lifelike real whatever it's effective it works oh absolutely I think I mean, it, it's, minus it's... the temperature perhaps I think it pretty much is to the degree it can be as realistic as it probably gets is if you were to do something like this. I mean, if you're, if you're not going to get mad about Star-Lord doing it, then you can't really get mad here. Oh, they got mad about Star-Lord. <laughs> oh, James okay. James Gunn fields those tweets. <laughs> he also has reasonable explanations that he was handed to. He needs... <laughs> you know, sometimes people need the John Carpenter response when people ask about... You know, nitpick his movies for logic stuff. He just goes... They ask him and he'll just be like, because... It's a movie. <laughs> <laughs> he puts his sunglasses back on and goes back into his house. Yep. <laughs> the Lakers aren't on. He's going to turn on his Xbox. I like how he trolls her, by the way, where he's just like he's about to not press the button. Then he does press the button. Like, just, oh, yeah, just yeah, for yeah. no reason. He just does that. <laughs> I wish the uh, Resident Evil movies, at least the first one, had the sense of dread that this one has well that's part of my problem with them i mean i feel yeah. there are you know they are they are supposed to be horror action movies and much like the video games that kind of miss started missing the point of the horror part the movies seem to never really do too much of the horror it's very tongue-in-cheek where it's like here's a laser grid now here's another version of that laser grid you know this laser grid has a sense of humor because now it's like all little squares <laughs> <laughs> Oh, see that like the veins on his arms are going like he's just like this is just this is terrible. This is a terrible situation. And even like Lawrence Fishburne trying to get to him, like just the design of that where he's like pushing himself on these things and using the gravity and stuff, it's just really cool. Like it's a really well done scene. Oh, it's incredibly suspenseful. Mm -hmm. Because you don't know if he's gonna make it or not. You know, the movie can work either way. You know, you have an expendable character, you create suspense. Ugh. Oh. Poor baby baby. You know, this movie is gory, but it's not it's not too gratuitous necessarily. I, no, I mean it, it to be fair, they cut it down. They cut well, they, yeah, it's, they cut it down, but it it oh. they're wise cuts, I guess, to a point. Like if it's done in haunting fashion. Like it's it's yeah. not excessive, but what is there is done to the highest degree of just uh -huh. creepiness. And again, yeah, it takes a while before it gets crazy. Yeah, like, this is where it starts, oh. essentially. And now, you know, there's yeah, only 30 minutes left. The there's only 30 minutes left of the movie. 53, 53 minutes. Yeah. And here's where Sam Neill starts to... <laughs> like, he's, he's getting to him now. The, the cursed gravity drive is getting to him. But yeah, uh, back to Paul Anderson's bests. I would, yes, I would say this is his best and my favorite movie. I've talked many times how I still think Mortal Kombat is not only, you know, good, I do think it's still the best video game movie as well, but uh, that's a argument that I've gotten too many other times. Um, I, I am not... I like Soldier as well. Better than Pixels? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I, I, you know I'm on the record, I, I'm not a big, Re I'm not a Resident Evil fan, but I think all of his non-Resident Evil films are mostly good um, for the, what they are. Um, Soldier, eh, not, not not as much, despite... I've never seen Soldier. Kurt, I like Kurt Russell tries. He does his thing. Is the, Wasn't that supposed to be like a loose Blade Runner? It's, like, a, it's set in the same set universe, in the same universe Blade Runner. It's based off, uh, what, a um, Philip K. Dick story. Oh, is it? 
I don't. I'm not, I'm not sure of that. I, I remember the the connection being kind of silly with. I that guess it's just no that reason. because David Webb Peoples wrote the screenplay. I, I so yeah, it's not a Philip K. Dick novel, but he yeah he, he's had a hand in both screenplays. So I guess that's the the logic they're going with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, besides Soul, I mean, Alien vs Predator we talked about. Death Race is fine. Like as a Jason Statham, J- Jason Statham Mario Kart movie, um, much. It <laughs> makes me want to see it. The the, th- yeah. the Three Musketeers is like a good steampunk adventure movie, like for what it tries. And I like Pompeii. Like I had legit fun with Pompeii. I, I think Pompeii. It is completely satisfying to be movie. Yeah, it's like it's his Titanic, which is such a weird thing to say, but it's like it kind of works for what for that. Like. Yeah, it, it sort of starts as as you know, it's a hybrid of Titanic and Gladiator. And, yeah. You know, whatever, but it works. And it has a good, it has oh. a solid ending. Like it's like yeah. it, like it has an inevitable solid ending. <laughs> Keeper oh. Sutherland's terrible in it, but I mean, it's a good, it's a good <laughs> movie. Well, Billy Zane terrible. Billy, yeah, he's Billy Zane terrible. <laughs> Which is oh <okay>. man, <laughs> I like that kind of terrible. Billy Zane's gonna listen to this commentary and cry now. Hey, but when he cries, he goes, "Oh." <laughs> <laughs> I'll show you tears. <laughs> uh, I like Billy Zane. He's <laughs> Rose. What are you talking about? This ship can't sink. Like that's just that's tear. So we're talking about the special effects. The uh, supervisor also uh, did Fifth Element same year. I put the diamond in the jet. Ja- okay, I'm sorry. Um. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Same visual effects as Fifth Element? Yeah, that, yeah. that adds and up. he also did uh, Day After Tomorrow and uh, White House Down. So he worked with nice. Emmerich Club. He twice. got an Emmerich Club. Did Killing Me Softly. And I'll say this. I mean, I was obviously not in a good mood when I watched The Three Musketeers the first time when it first came out. But I rewatched it a few years later, and I kind of enjoyed myself. Which one? Three Musketeers. The Three Musketeers. Yeah, it's, okay. it was fun. Yeah. It's one that I've always wanted to see. I have the. I think I have the 3D Blu-ray. I, I I know I reviewed it. I think I still have it somewhere. That's a good cast. Has Luke Evans? Yeah. Luke Evans. Orlando Bloom actually overacted. Or, for once. That was the biggest surprise to me. Mainly because yeah. mainly, mainly because he, he and Luke Evans look so similar to me. I thought that he was like Aramis or whichever one he plays for the longest time until yeah. Luke, until he appeared as the villain. And I'm like, oh, that's Orlando Bloom. And he's going, he's going B movie nuts here. This is great. Yeah, he's having a blast. <laughs> like, fuck you, Jack Sparrow. It's my turn. Yeah, he, he, goes, uh, he brings Jack Sparrow energy, and I was like, where did this Orlando Bloom come from, and why do I not see more of him? I know it's like five dollars on Amazon. I should, I should just buy it. Eight dollars and ninety cents, new. It's got Mads Mikkelsen. So Mads Mikkelsen as, um, what's his name? As Michael Wincott? Yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. It's got that guy from MI5. Yeah, Matthew McFadden. He plays the very tortured Athos. <laughs> Porthos is Ray Stevenson, which is basically Ray Stevenson's played all of his career. <laughs> Post-Rome. Even in Rome, he's pretty funny, so never mind. And Christoph Waltz, of course, is in that movie, doing which is probably why it's on was on Quentin Tarantino's top ten list of that year. Which uh, one day we're we gonna do the uh, the special edition commentary of the Roadshow edition of uh, Kingdom of Heaven for <laughs> all all of that. 
That'll be oh, that'll that, be a four part commentary. A four part. That's it. Great movie. One a week. Great movie. This is the. the What's the difference between the uh, Roadshow and the director's cut? A lot. Really? So no, and the and oh, the, yeah. no, the director's cut. And the director's cut. Oh, the Roadshow just has like a and, overture and an intermission in the beginning and an intermission. Yeah. That's it. Oh. Yeah. Wait, there's a Roadshow version of the Kingdom of Heaven. Yeah. 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 I did not know that. I just had the director's cut. I, I, well, you, you you have everything there. And, oh, I mean, it, just, it just adds there's just like more a, music. <laughs> yeah. If you want to take a break without, you know, pausing, it's there. I'm happy I, I'm happy <laughs> I have that Blu-ray because it has every version of that film on it, so I'm all happy. <laughs> and, and commentaries with each one of them, too. This is the same scene in Alien 3, except Jason Isaacs doesn't die in this version. <laughs> he, he dies later. But, you know, you have the lead character confiding in the Doctor. It's exactly Alien 3. I mean, almost the... It's a little more colorful, of course, but it does almost have that fa- same, like, film stock look as Alien 3. Yeah. Very close. Yeah. I love this scene. Well, it's a terrifying revelation. Yeah, I mean, we, we're talking about the kind of the grander moments and the things that Anderson and just these kind of films are known for, but there's a lot of good character, which is why, as you said many times, there's, you know, there's a, a, a solid cast here that knows how to deliver, yeah. you know, boilerplate mm-hmm. dialogue that has some of its, uh, part of it helps is that Andrew Kevin Walker did an uncredited rewrite on this movie, which, oh, okay. which should seem kind of obvious when you think about it. No, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. it totally makes yeah. sense. I love how the scene is in, in a hurry to move on. It just, is there it breathes and it flows naturally wait which is why it's effective because you just had this crazy yeah. scene of a guy going into space of no suit on and now it's like okay let's uh, let's calm things down a bit before we get to Sam Neil goes fuck nuts <laughs> I mean the movie takes time to explore a ship um, have revelations and then you know make plans for you know what they're gonna do in the ship and how they're gonna get out of this yeah the, the care it's it, everything's clearly laid out so when it all goes to hell you know where and why yeah, the characters are all used efficiently so you're like you're never really lost in this movie oh here yeah. we go they're about to see it is this the bechdel test right here is that the scene <laughs> <laughs> there it is get you any coffee great done okay passes <laughs> <laughs> passes guys <laughs> did it <laughs> what did i watch recently there was a a, a place how oh, was a, a movie i watched where i think they were trying to make fun of it that this woman Oh, it was Death Race. Where, <laughs> oh, there's like a there's a bar called the Bechdels, and two women go up and just talk about a dude while they're there. <laughs> that Roger Corman, he, he really like likes to shock you. Yeah, here's all this stuff, and then it just concludes with yeah. guy holding eyes in his hand. Hey, Pan's Labyrinth, right? Yeah, Pan's Labyrinth. There it is. That's what. That guy kind of looks like Vincent Cassell. A little bit, yeah. With that smile, it's that smile. It's a smile on his face. That's what does it. Yeah. The greatest line in Lawrence Fishburne's career. The crew is dead, Doctor. Your ship killed them. <laughs> no, no, we're leaving. Well, and also, you know what's funny? That scene is that video clip now is something, but back in the 90s, that had been, like, extra scary because it had the, the weird orgy sex in it, which was mm-hmm. a ta- very, very taboo thing. Even, I mean, it may so be now, but, I mean, back then, it was still coming out of that you know 80s. well it depends on whose build like if it was like a rob zombie film you'd be like yeah 
Yeah, uh, I was I was expecting two of these, yeah. but no. I like how they've been there for a little while and they still haven't covered all the blood in the background. Like, just leave it there. Don't put a blanket over that or anything. Yeah, they're really content with just the, the horrible... There it is. Fuck this ship. Well, <laughs> if you want to get technical, the ship doesn't start killing them until Lawrence Visper says, I'm going to destroy the ship. Yeah. Um, which, again, is almost the end of the movie. Yeah. I like this here where Sam Neill's like in the shadows and he slowly like lurks in the background. He just like leaves. Well, yeah, it, it's funny how we talk about how this movie takes its time to do all these things. Yeah, it's still only an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like you're going, to, you, you're going on a journey. Like it feels like it. I mean, this yeah. could easily, this, nowadays, this would be at least two hours. Mm-hmm. And maybe not as well done. Someone's going to whisper prometheus i'm not i like prometheus but <laughs> I, like, I like Prometheus. i'm not talking about you <laughs> uh, well the one, the one thing with prometheus is i don't think it's garbage that's what a lot of people right. throw it i'm like really that i mean i don't know brandon i mean space cobra so I, the entire movie is terrible i always call it cinema cavalcade i see a lot worse than prometheus on a, on a regular basis I call this getting inceptioned because I, I don't I don't understand how Leonardo DiCaprio is a master at dream stuff, yet he gets convinced that Marion Cotillard is still alive every single time. It's like, well, come on, guy. You do this for a living. Like, get over it. <laughs> She's getting inceptioned right now. He's like, her son's probably on this ship, even though he's died a long time ago. I know the ship gets you and everything. I know what it's doing. It's just still... <laughs> I don't want her to do this. Like, she, just, she could leave. Yeah. She was out. She was leaving the corkscrew <laughs> thing, and she was gone. But nope. Here we go. It's so real. Just like Solaris. Also, I'd like to think that the Solaris ship is, like, right next door. <laughs> it's, like, all the same things. And, you know, obviously we're watching this on mute, but, you know, a huge factor is, frankly, the sickening sound mix. Oh, yeah. Well, that was a big part of it, especially in theaters where it was, you know, very loud. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're talking over all the jump scares. There's a lot of jump scares. Yeah. There's one right there. <laughs> like that doorway that looks like a coffin. That's a cool. Yeah, yeah, the sound design's, you know, heavy impact on the scare factor on this for sure. It's got a lot of those. Like, even if you're not scared, it'll make you jump. Music hits. I don't like that. There are moments in this film that are completely silent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is very rare. Oh, yeah. I love that dummy. She, she yeah, she down. takes a tumble down. Yeah. That's what Diego Luna should have looked like in Rogue One. <laughs> <laughs> he he does the same thing. He hits every beam on the way down and splats on the ground. I think he's just got like a line of blood coming from the top of where his hair yeah. meets his forehead. It's like, oh, that hurts. It's okay. He comes back. He he's able to climb through the the quick closing door and save the day. Just to die again. Just to die again. <laughs> Spoilers for Rogue One, guys. Sorry. <laughs> it crossed a billion. You've seen it. <laughs> I'm going to listen to this obscure movie film podcast, but I'm not going to see Rogue One. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm holding out to watch it in my home theater. <laughs> I've avoided spoilers so far. Comes out tomorrow. I want a space commentary to listen to in the meantime. <gasps> 
That's a. Can you hear a snoring in the background? Yes. Um, oh, that's a. Sorry. That's it's fine. Dog. That's a that's a creepy turn, by the way. When like the when he sees Kathleen Quinlan's body and then it turns into his dead wife again, it's just oh, it's yeah. just those black eyes like really do it. Like it's just really creepy. This is, this is definitely the bedroom from Solaris, like without the kitchen. Oh yeah, very much. Like, yeah, just... it very much looks like it for sure. Yeah. Jeez. I guess this is Sam Neill's like last attempt to claim his sanity before he just like nope. Time time to right. time to dig out those eyes. Your eyes. I'm not winning against this thing. Your eyes. Your eyes. <laughs> this is the true ending of uh ah. him and Laura Dern and Jurassic Park. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, part part three was a dream that he was having the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> right as she slits the wrist, it's like bum 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 bum. What Jurassic World two is gonna be about? <laughs> Doctor Grant dealing with, dealing with still grieving over the loss of uh, of um, Doctor. <laughs> Jesus. He looks out the window. There's like a soldier. Hang, and, and he got a little ship. And he's like, "Are you Alan Grant?" And he's like, "Yes." It's like all these ships come in to save him, and they just leave in the middle of all this. Or maybe it'll be like an apocalypse now thing where they recruit him to go down the river with them on Jurassic on the island of Jurassic World. Oh. This journey to get to the original T Rex. They fight. No it's to get, it's to get to Chris Pratt, who's disappeared there. Yes, yeah, so he and... went crazy mad, <laughs> trying to save all the rest of the di- the, the rest of the Raptors. <laughs> Let's hammer out the script right now, guys. <laughs> Let's get this going. <laughs> and like Bryce Dallas Howard's the uh, Dennis Hopper. Mm-hmm. An adult version of John Hammond's son, or his uh, nephew is uh, the uh, Larry Fishburne character. There we go. And Harrison Ford, just for a couple seconds. Oh, yeah, he, play, yeah, he, he recruits him. He's back. Yeah, he's back. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum plays the uh, Robert Duvall part. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love the smell of um, napalm in the morning. <laughs> Look at him, Stegosaurus! You guys still listening wow. to our Event Horizon commentary? Thank you for that. We're uh, we're still sitting here. Um, <laughs> Sean Pertwee's about to die. Yes. Things are going wrong. It's a good setup because he t- like you establish you've established that there's bombs all over this thing to like blow up part of the ship. Um, if necessary, and now one of them's missing. So it's like, well, I, you know what that means, and now it's just, you know, it's a matter of time to find out what happens with it. Which is unfortunate, because it just blows up all of these guys' ship, like their home, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Everybody starts <clears throat> catching a case of the dying. <laughs> How is that not a horror movie? The Dyings? That'd be an amazing title. The I can see the, the 70s Gallo poster for that right now. The Dyings? <laughs> Oh my god. From the director of the Bye Bye Man. The Dyings. <laughs> <laughs> the Dyings, that's so perfect. <laughs> oh, that could have so many sequels without subtitles. The Dyings 2. <laughs> <laughs> and there it is. Just love that just futuristic love- countdown. That look on his face, or it's just so sad. Like, it's really effective. <laughs> Thought I had at least three more ticks. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a model. Yeah. 
Cheney. This is where they just, you know, would film fire real close. Yep. Throw sparks in it. <laughs> we have disconnected. So we're two down now. We lost Kathleen Quinlan and uh, yep. and uh, Perchwe. Two and a half down, I guess. Jack, Noseworthy's out for the. He's down. He's out of commission. He survives. Does he survive the movie? Yeah, he survives. Or is he, no, he survives. He's, he's just, oh, you know, well. he's, he's in a horrible position, but uh, he survives. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Richard T. Jones, he's still like, hey, he's in space. <laughs> Gravity would borrow from this. Yep. Yeah, I'm sure Sandra Bullock was like, I'm channeling Richard T. Jones in Event uh, <laughs> Horizon. I'm playing Richard T. Jones, who's playing uh, Denzel Washington. Yeah, her impression was a little off color, but. Uh... <laughs> oh, time for the annual purge. <laughs> like he's just swearing. For... It is a very like '90s black guy role, by the way. <laughs> he's just like he's he's the one with attitude, and he swears a lot, and he, he speaks. <laughs> But it's, I mean, Lawrence Fishburne's the lead, so I guess it's counterbalanced, so... Yay? <laughs> it's a win? What was Lawrence Fishburne at this time, Scott? Like, I mean, he had... He, he had, like, like well, boys... Well, he was a name. Boys, I mean, he was boys in the hood. Yeah. Great white hype. Um, was it uh, Hoodlum? Did Hoodlum come out at that point? Uh, Hoodlum, yes, yeah, same year. Um, obviously, he was a big adventure. King of... Uh, <laughs> King of New York. That was, well, King of New York was a big Well, he had become a name after What's Love Got to Do With It. Yeah, there you go. Boys in the Hood, too, yeah. But yeah, uh, What's Love Got to Do With It. Because um, he, he got a... Uh, graduated, graduated from Larry to Lawrence. Larry to Lawrence. And, you yeah. know, he just worked consistently at that point. Because, you know, back then, films were cheaper. So you didn't have to write a yippy-skippy, you know, think piece whenever someone like Lawrence Fishburne got a lead role. He was still mixing in uh, stage performances, too, every now and then. Yeah. Yeah, I, I actually saw him on in Fences oh. in 2006 huh. with uh, him and uh, Angela Bassett. I assume he was Troy then, obviously. Yes. <laughs> that um, sounds like a good show, actually. Angela Bassett and Lawrence yeah, yeah, Fishburne. Yeah, was excellent. Yeah. He wasn't, yeah, he wasn't Lawrence Fishburne until Love, What's Love Got to Do With It. Yeah. Like, deep Cover, he was Larry. Deep Cover. Boys and Hood, Larry. Oh, we talked. To, I remember. Oh, just, just cause. Yeah. We talked over uh, Jason Isaac's death, but that's another grisly one. Mainly because you know the guy seems so innocent. He's probably the most innocent on that crew, next to Kathleen Quinlan, and he gets like horribly de deboweled. And there's a there's a longer version of that on the DVD Blu-ray. His fa his uh, face says enough. <laughs> like, I'm not. Yeah, well, I'm fine with it. <laughs> that was the implication was he was actually still alive when that happened. Yeah. I mean, after it yeah, happened. after he started slaves and. The game of... Oh, I forgot he was in Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Yeah, that was the uh, first noticeable uh, one since... Uh, I mean, he was, you know, now. he was busy. <laughs> Even, back, you know, before he was quote-unquote a name. Working black actor. Uh, future, yep. future, future commentary, Biker Boys. Biker Boys. <laughs> if it's not Torque, it's Biker Boys. Yes. Fled with Stephen Baldwin. Just cause. There's an actual commentary fled. 
<laughs> it's a great movie. Searching for Bobby Fischer is excellent. Oh, he was the Silver Surfer, guys. I mean... The voice of the Silver Surfer. Oh, yeah. Back when the Fantastic Four movies were good. (laughs) (laughs) He was Othello in a 1995's Othello. I don't think I've seen that version. I'm surprised Kenneth Branagh didn't direct it, but he's in it. I saw O with Mackay Pfeiffer. It ain't no movie if there's no Mackay Pfeiffer. And yeah, then, you know, he became Morpheus, and that pretty much... I mean, he's he's done many other things since being Morpheus, but that's defined a lot of the kind of presence he seems to have. Right. Although now he's just big Lawrence Fishburne. Well, he's great. I mean, it was funny, because for a little bit, he was sort of getting, like, weird, crazy, like, Predators. He was... Gives him bizarre performance. He sinks that. Uh, he sinks that movie. He tries to. He tries yeah. to sabotage that movie. Right. He's Bill Murray in and the he, Ghostbusters reboot in Predators. That's what he is. Right. <laughs> he he reigns it in though, and he did uh, Hannibal though. I mean, yeah, he no, he's great. he's a great. Um, what's his name? Um, J- Jack Crawford. Jack Crawford. Yeah. Yeah, he's amazing. Yeah. He's oh yeah, he had CSI. For, uh... Which is fitting since he took over for. In, uh, <laughs> he, uh, yeah. he, 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 he's a yeah. William Peterson role in, in CSI. That's funny. Dr. Dr. He was a fine Perry White. I like him as Perry oh, yeah. White. Yeah, I like the little. I mean, his logic seems flawed in Batman v Superman, but so does Clark Kent's. But I'd say he's probably the better. <laughs> he's the better of the two since he actually shows up to work. <laughs> and you know, does he is, does the assignments and hands out assignments as opposed to just randomly walking yes. off, not showing up, and still inexplicably manages to be hired to make the money he does. But it's okay. Clark Kent's white, so there, there you go. Like, <laughs> He can still get a corner office and go to the staff meetings and all that. Well, he does journalism in the director's cut. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. He does a little bit of journalism. Yeah, yeah. He's not winning Pulitzer Prize like Lois Lane, but he's doing something, I guess. Yeah. He's in the director's cut. That's... Yes. Uh... This is all creepy Sam Neill stuff, which is why I'm talking yeah. over it, because it's just him with like his eyes sewn shut, and he has a giant nail gun in his hand. So it's like... <laughs> Were they sewn shut, or did he cut him out? Well, yeah, he cut him, he cut him out, yes. Yeah. Thankfully, the movie decides to go a different route later, where he's just like, okay, he's just gonna be completely like burned up and cut up later on instead of this elaborate face makeup we have him in. <laughs> we'll have him even more makeup all over his entire body. Yeah, this is the the Hellraisers. Uh, this is his Doctor Channard Hellraiser two type of scene for the three of you Hellraiser fans. I like that Lawrence Fishburne's logic to avoid Sam Neill was to jump straight at him. <laughs> yes. Well, he thought he was blind, so. For any uh, Dead Space video game fans, which I'm a big fan of, this this movie certainly had an influence on that game, which is a very scary sci-fi horror game involving, you know, a dead, a a tomb of a ship, people going on it. I've heard good things. It's a creepy. I've been recommended that. I don't play games, video games much, but. uh, It's a creepy one. I've been recommended that. And I remember one of the, one of the, one of the trailers for the game was directed by James Wan, and it's like, he did his job on, like, selling the visuals of that game. Editing them and everything. (laughs) 
here's our obligatory if you're in space you need to have a scene where people always get blown out of an airlock <laughs> except the villain he does but could if you hold on tight enough exactly that's how it works No, and I'll be honest, I wasn't a huge fan of the rather chaotic action-y final 10 minutes or so. Yeah. But it's just the last 10 minutes. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, you know, it's the weakest stretch. The first 75 minutes or so, this movie's terrific. It's like saying Dark City's yeah. not good because of the last bit. I mean, the fight's like what it is, but the whole movie is pretty excellent. What movie? Dark City. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. similar as far as now it's just people having powers and fighting each other. <laughs> yeah. Although, for the worst worth, I like the end of Dark City. Oh, no, I like, I like the... I mean, it, it just terms of... Yeah. There's a scene of just Rufus Sewell and... With, yeah. What's his name? The, the the oldest of the bald bald men, like, just staring at each other and tuning. And it's like, all right, yeah. I mean, with a bigger budget, I think he could have probably put a, pulled it off a little better. But it's yeah. weaker than other, the other things in that movie. The actual finale is, you know, story-wise and what it means and everything, it's solid. Yeah. It just... It's similar. Obviously, this is a different league than Dark City. It's a lower league, but yeah, it's far. It's you know, it's it's Lawrence Fisherman and Sam Neill just punch each other in a puddle of water. Yeah, it's more like that other movie, Batman v Superman. <laughs> <laughs> Except in that movie, they do it for like an hour, and in a dingy bathroom, <laughs> where all cinematic showcases should be held. <laughs> Batman, Superman, a dirty toilet room fit for Saw. Kids, come see you know, they this. Sh- they should have had Kathleen Quinlan's and him fight, and like his son be named Sam, which was also his wife's name, and they could have a big stopping point. <laughs> like, How do you know that name? <laughs> that was a scene that was used in every trailer where the uh, door opens up and they're there. Uh huh. Remember seeing that in every trailer before the movie. Looking at this cast. It actually makes complete sense that these are the final people that are still alive. <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, these are the people that mm-hmm. will probably survive this movie. You, you have a final girl. You have a hilarious black character. <laughs> like, it, it makes sense. Yeah, more people survive this movie than one would expect. Yeah, it also kills the lead, so I mean, it has it kills both leads technically. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it has that going for it. Well, this feels like a movie where like everyone would die. It could go. So, I could go either way, I guess. Some, yeah, yeah. I think it helps that. Yeah. I mean, most. I you could say the most horror movies that have like a final girl character. The final girl is generally not an actress that you're all that familiar with. So I, I guess yeah. you kind of you could maybe expect Julie Richardson to probably make it out alive because she's been around, but she's not you know like a, a name. Yeah, if you love 101 Dalmatians, you definitely <laughs> should check Thank out you. Event Horizon. Horizon. <laughs> Here's what that shining. This is what she yeah, she followed it up with it, yeah. And then Nip Tuck. Here's the shining scene. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's not going to be good. Also, how's the ship doing that? I mean, most of the stuff's been fantastic, or, you know, like, imagination. Now it's just literally filling things with blood. The Shining slash Mission Impossible Aquarium scene. <laughs> the whole operation was a decoy. Yeah, but, but Tom Cruise was able to re- outrun the explosion, exploding water behind him. It's Tom Cruise. It's Joey yeah, 
And I mean, he, he caused it too. It's true. He didn't chew it. Have we done it? Yeah, we did Mission Impossible 2. <laughs> I'm trying to try to remember. I, I, I remember the other day that we did a rock commentary. It's like, wow, that that's probably fun. <laughs> but I forgot that we did that until I saw the poster for it. <laughs> done a lot of commentaries, guys. <laughs> oh, I know. Really ran the gamut of a lot of 90s movies, that's for sure. Some older. Have you kept count of how many there are? I have a playlist on our audio boom for just the commentary okay. track, so that's a good way to keep track but i mean what was the first one you did the thing i believe is the first one that we did um yeah the first good one that we did i'm not sure uh, but, uh... the first one i did was spider-man which is about five years ago. yes um i think brand holy crap yeah five years ago it was from russia with love yeah brandon was the first one we did the when we were doing the bond commentaries yeah did batman forever in that summer too yeah um yeah I think Aliens versus Predator Requiem might be our one of my not only one of my favorites because of how goofy it is, but um, <laughs> it's probably the first time we did like a good commentary because it was one of our earlier commentaries. But once we started having Scott and Brandon on, these started getting more serious, even though we're still <laughs> like we started actually providing information to go along with the you know the fun that we're having doing talking about this. They, they, well, they used to be like what I was like you know because I, I listened to a bunch to prepare for like from Russia with Love, and they used to be just like people watching the movie and making little comments mm -hmm. here and there, and there'd be a lot of silent portions of it. And now we now we like to talk about romantic interlinkings yeah. between some that you might not. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and we've got running gags yes. too. I mean, hey, I'm proud of that. Okay, That's... enough self-aggrandizing our own commentary track while we're doing commentary. Uh, <laughs> Red Horizon. You're so great, Aaron. You're so great, Scott. You're awesome, <laughs> Jordan. Oh, it's the best. It's great. Uh, you guys are all good. I, I, I guess Sam Neill's really down for makeup because he is like full on in a bodysuit for this scene, which looks like like it doesn't look like it was an easy thing to apply for you know a couple days. Really, well, get up three three a.m. in the morning every day. Because yeah. it's like a head to toe. It's not like he's wearing you know like a face yeah. mask. Like this is a head to toe bodysuit. Oh, yeah. Also, I'm sure Jack Noseworthy loves shooting these scenes. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's doing the whole do you see? Do you see? Hey. What doesn't help is that there's a lot of, like, <laughs> like sound effects to go along with this fight. <laughs> yeah. Like the, the the random CD of yeah. stock punch effects was hanging around. They're like, well, it's from the, I don't got time. It's from, it's from the Mortal Kombat edit. Yes. Well, there was actually a version of this film, which ended where that character was the his buddy that got set on fire. Yeah. Um, and audiences like didn't like it or something. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. It was a negative um, test screening, and so it's like they reshot this part, added Sam Neill. And then, like, also added, like, the, the, the coda at the end, or, like, they did different versions of the coda at the end with the remaining of survivors and everything. And then you can even tell it's AD. You can very much tell it's ADR at the very end, as far as what's being said to a character. Versus what you can clearly see the character mouthing, which is a lot more shouting. <laughs> hmm. I feel like DUC should have been more well-known. 
Or should be, at least. I mean, it's not as... More people should be putting It's not as nearly as well-known as I See You from Avatar that we all constantly say. Yeah. <laughs> I See You. Because uh, it's a pretty hilarious line. I, I like yeah, the, uh, how Sam Neill and this entire ship's evil entity is undone by Sam, by by Lawrence Fishburne fishing through water to find a trigger button. <laughs> <laughs> Also, that is a fun, like, that's probably, I wonder if that's, like, an Andrew Kevin Walker, like, script thing where he's, like, have the hero sacrifice himself at the end type thing. Like, mm. it's, because it's, I mean, it's not like this is going to spawn a franchise or not yet <laughs> or anything. I can see this as, like, a, a six-part miniseries on sci-fi. I can see that. Um, I don't know if I'd want to watch it, but, you know, it's one. Yeah. But, it, like, you know, you it's a, it's a neat choice where you have you know the two leads are blown up but not even and they're not even killed Lawrence Fishburne's not dead he's just presumably going off to some hell dimension to be tortured for the rest of his life which is very sad now that I say that out loud <laughs> yeah oh, it's, it's not a happy ending that's the sequel that, go back and rescue. that said this yeah the ship could come back although at the very end of this movie it does say the end so <laughs> we'll, never, we'll never know <laughs> So in describing how that wormhole closed, you just take the pencil out of the piece of paper. No. <laughs> Miller. Random number, 72 days later. Sure, that's yeah. fine. Yeah, that's probably enough time. <laughs> I w I'd love to see the, the pitch meeting of how, like, how many days should it be? It's 50... <laughs> 102 people people they, they test screened it differently and people responded oh, yeah, to 72 yeah, better yeah. they showed it in five simultaneous theaters of five simultaneous numbers and they got the best results for 72 when it was 80 people hated yeah. it actually actually upon release man different theaters had different prints yeah, yeah, one week <laughs> yeah, later clued it. Yeah, it's crazy <laughs> it's the clue of horror movies they were going to do a branching edition on the Blu-ray if you wanted different dates, but they, they went against it. They didn't have it in the budget. I'm surprised horror movies... I mean, obviously, it's just expensive and weird, but I'm surprised horror movies haven't taken advantage of that when it comes to, like, like slasher movies where you like don't know the killer, that kind of thing. I think they're worried that general public will feel ripped off. I, yeah. Well, if you, if you don't announce it, <laughs> it'd be kind of fun. Yeah, That's more of a... What's his it, name? It would leak. Nowadays, it would leak. If you yeah, did it now, in the 90s, yes. early 2000s, it'd be... Pretty novel. Well, it'd be but... novel now just because of that culture, you know, where you have, like, spoilers you can't see. That's a fun surprise reveal, by the way. I mean, it's obvious, but, right. I mean, it's still fun. But look at Richard T. Jones' mouth. Like, he, I mean, we're on mute, so it's hard to tell with the ADR. But, like, he's clearly, like, he's really trying to aggressively calm her down. But, like, the dialogue is very, like, I got you, Stark. It's okay. But he's, like, you can see he's, like, shouting at her to calm down. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> That's a there, yeah. that is a creepy ending with the, just having the door. I like that. Like it's a it, it holds on to that level of tension. The end. <laughs> it just the says end. the end. Oh. <laughs> if people are like they're like sequel, sequel, nope. Se nope, the end. It's over. No question mark. <laughs> the story has come to its natural conclusion. <laughs> and techno song to uh, wrap it up. <laughs> I forgot the Jason. Go on to be sequelized in Vertical Horizon. It was everything you want. Everything 
It's such a creepy movie. Like, still, even yeah. in uh, 2017, it still holds up. Even on mute. It were, I mean, yes. it's got the imagery. It's, it's got the imagery, and, and yeah. Anderson's a good production designer. Like, he has that background that works well for horror movies, for sure. Hire the right people. You wish that worked the same for cinematographers. Transcendence. But um, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't quite do that. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. Remember that? Remember, <laughs> that was a movie. That, that was a movie we saw. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wally. Oh, Wally. It's okay, he does... Uh, what that, movie he... played in, that movie played in D-Box. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Wait, what's transcendent? That's the Johnny Depp movie directed by Wally Pfister, Christopher Nolan's cinematographer. Oh my god, that movie's horrible. <laughs> what has he done? Wally Pfister, he did some TV thing, though, that like... What did he do? I mean, what was... It was transcendent, it was basically like modern lawnmower, man. If I'm yes, basically, yeah. yeah. Less interesting somehow? I don't... Yeah, it's really bad. Oh, The Tick. He did The Tick pilot on Amazon. Oh. And it's a well-directed pilot, I must say. <laughs> I just remember seeing his name. I was like, Wally Fister directed this? All right. <laughs> infinite space, infinite terror. <laughs> Is that the tagline? So for, uh, the, yeah, it is. Of course so it is. True. Yeah, that's a committee. That's a committee tagline right there. <laughs> infinite space, infinite terror. <laughs> oh, this is just a, this is a Prodigy song. Mm-hmm. I can kind of hear it. <laughs> Smack my Event Horizon! I'm Event Horizon. Yes, Event Horizon. So are all the deleted scenes on, well, the deleted scenes that they have on the DVD or Blu-ray? Yeah. Or, or yes, like what they were able to find. The, like the past few years. Yeah, because there's a lot of it apparently has been like, is gone. It's weird. I wonder like how that works with like unused footage and like the, because, you know, sometimes it's like stored in like Brazil in some bunker and other times it's just, it's yeah. just like burned. <laughs> yeah. I mean, up until like the 90s or whatever i mean it wasn't until like criterion was putting stuff on laser discs that people started keeping stuff because there was a i talked about it on my recent friday the 13th um episode of my podcast uh but this the seventh one has a lot of deleted footage because the mpa ripped it to shreds but it's only available via a eaten up vhs tape from the director with a work print on there because they had a um destroy upon release order that people would do with deleted scenes once it got released they didn't need them anymore and they they burned it they got rid of everything that's so weird like and a lot of old movies had that yeah like 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 uh, metropolis is one of those things that were like it they found a negative cut in the archives of some museum in buenos aires and it's like what yeah. like why is that there <laughs> like <laughs> well back in the uh the you know i worked in blu-ray and dvd testing i had a friend at work at fox and they found in some weird place a deleted scene from Beneath the Planet of the Apes that everybody had been talking about. That had It had no sound, but luckily one of the actors in the scene was alive that had the only dialogue, and they had him come in and re-record the dialogue and put it on there. But uh, but it was it had like hard-coded Japanese subtitles on mm-hmm. it, but it was, uh, it was a yeah, deleted scene found in some random place. 
There's that uh, that cool feature on the Iron Giant Blu-ray that you watched, uh, Randy. You know where like they like they go to the this like underground like 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 nuclear silo or something crazy, right? And like just find Iron Giant. Oh, like, yeah, lost, yeah. like uh like the actual reels they had. That's right. Mm. Yeah, it's it's crazy where all this stuff is kept. There's like a salt mines and stuff in like the like I think Oklahoma yeah. or Nebraska where they keep because it's like so it can be preserved. That's why they do that. But at the same yeah. time, and that makes a little more sense than you know Buenos Aires for a 1927 silent film. But I mean, it's just it's it's weird the kind of stuff they go through. Uh, anyway, that would be much fun to to read that they found. A bunch of lost footage. Well, every time you, I mean, like that—that that happened with Metropolis. Or even that films themselves. There, yeah. like, there's films that we don't even know that might still exist. That, that, I mean, that's yeah. what happened with Metropolis. That was exciting. It was like, you know, there's like significant amount of footage that we found and we've restored because we were able to find like basically treasure <laughs> and and put and bring yeah. it back to audiences to see for the first time ever, or at least since you know Fritz Lang made it. Like, so it's. It's like it's crazy to hear those kind of stories, but also beneficial. Well, I'm amazed, like the Star Wars footage that we still don't know exists because, like, when they were doing Rogue One, someone's like, "Yeah, there's just stuff in there," and people like they found interesting stuff. Yeah, like that. like B-roll from that, they, so they can make more X-wing like co- yeah, cockpit. It's scenes. like, wait, no one's gone through this like already. <laughs> this is like one of the most obsessed about like series that people like like go crazy about this stuff and it's just no one's really gone that, through that's, it that's crazy that's probably because they weren't paying attention to george lucas he was like hey guys you want to if you want to just take some of these scenes here like, like oh yeah george that's no, okay they, <laughs> like they couldn't hear they couldn't understand he was mumbling too much but uh i've got ahmed best outtakes um over here <laughs> you want those <laughs> so these terrible impressions of course mean that it's time for the end of the podcast the movie's been ended for about like three <laughs> minutes now <laughs> Uh, but yeah, this has been our Event Horizon commentary. I hope anybody that stuck through this long certainly enjoyed it. If you watched the film along with us, I hope it worked properly. I've done it a couple times. It tends to work for me. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I've been happy to do this with you guys. But let's uh, go over a quick roundup. Uh, Scott Mendelson, where can people find more of your work online? Uh, com. Jordan Grout. Well, I, I haven't written for Why So Blue for a while. I've been working on a few other projects so hopefully something will pop up soon. All right. <laughs> you got a Twitter? Oh, yeah, at uh, Amsterdam Chat. Okay. It's Jordan Grout from Facebook. <laughs> yeah, hey, yeah, Facebook, yeah. Brandon Peters. Uh, Cult Cinema Cavalcade, cultcinemacavalcade.com. You can... And at CC Cavalcade on Twitter. You can find me over at thecodezeek.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. You can follow our podcast at outnow underscore podcast or our Facebook page, facebook.com slash outnow podcast. Feel free to email us anything that you want to point out about how wrong we were about certain facts we might have said. I kind of doubt it. We're pretty good about these at uh, outnowpodcast at gmail.com. And, um, yeah, of course, our show out now there and any of the regular episodes and all the other episodes are over on out, uh, excuse me, on iTunes and on Audio Boom. And, uh, yeah, this has been fun, guys. It's fun going over this movie with you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a great movie. Um, yeah thanks again for joining me and uh thank you the listeners for uh being a part of it and um what's next month february hmm what we got in february guys what can we do in february? oscar time oscar time yeah uh 50 shades lego batman john lego Two, batman oh, john wick might mean it's uh, keanu time we might have to do a keanu movie oh yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of those we could choose from <laughs> my own private age. idaho we did. We already did Johnny Mnemonic, so I mean that's out. But uh, yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll have a fun one in store for you guys next month. But yeah, just, a walk in the next a month. Walk in the clouds. <laughs> 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 but uh, until then, until next time. So long and goodbye.